Hey everybody, welcome to the Promotional Rescue Talk Show. I'm Melanie Vesey, stand-up comedian, actress, and filmmaker, and this is my talk show. Uh, I It is my goal uh, to talk to people about how they self-promote themselves because I just want people to not feel gross about self-promotion. So we're gonna have these conversations to just start normalizing these conversations around self-promotion. So this is how it's gonna work. I'm gonna talk with my guests about their best tips and tricks on what they do to promote themselves and their projects. Then over on my Patreon, uh, I'm gonna be talking with them about the best and the worst thing that's ever happened to them promoting online. So if you want more information about me, what I do, my comedy, my specials, uh, my films, all that stuff. You can see my stuff at melaniebessie.com. Or if you want to know more about my services, who I've worked with, what I do, you can also go to promotionalrescue.com. All that information is right there. So without further ado, I'm so excited to be talking to this lady. I adore her. Our relationship started on Twitter. So we are a true uh, online success story. Uh, she is a feature writer uh, for Mel Magazine. You can see her stuff on her YouTube, uh, her um, her show, Important Adults, to which I am also on. Also, Ill Repute. Uh, and then you can also read her incredible poem. She's doing 100 Poems in Solitude, which is up on her Patreon. Please give a warm welcome to my amazing pal, Sovereign Sire. Woo! Look, Yay. I'm doing it like it's a comedy show. And and and, and Savi's also a comedian. She's open yes. for Mark Marin. Uh, she's toured all over the place. I mean, what doesn't she do? That's the that's the million dollar I, question. Yeah. I mean, so they, they, <laughs> they probably should do like a Sovereign does porn parody or something because I do <laughs> oh and I, I i didn't even mention that she's an adult film star i let completely well i'm kind of retired at this point yeah. so i have i have an only fans just like bella thorne and other multimillionaires. um <laughs> um i have an only fans but i don't i'm not active anymore but i feel like it's important to let people know that so that if they google me they don't do it at work so it's more like it's more just like like a PSA, like, hey, I've also starred in several controversial films, so you know, uh, just be aware that if you Google me that, you know, that can come up. So maybe don't do it at work or on uh, the family computer. Yes. Um, yeah. But they're so gonna it's more just stuff. like a looking out for you. Um, but I, I feel like what that's a. That's like a, a thing I have, a unique thing I, I can offer tips for in terms of promotion is if you do find yourself being someone that does multiple things, um, I have been on the forefront of, of having two different careers for a long time and one that's notoriously stigmatized. Um, yes. and, I found, and I found ways around it. So if you're, um, if you're that person watching this, if you're a person that's been involved in adult or, or any kind of field that seems to be at odds with other stuff um there are totally tips and tricks to dealing with like how to do that how to promote yourself um when you're doing like a drastic change perhaps you know maybe it's you know actually what I mean? more maybe common yeah not i mean people come to me all the time and it's so funny because sometimes people come to me and they're and they think that these things are really like con conflicting they're like so listen i write 
but I also act. And I'm like, that's okay. Those two things, those are under your umbrella of your brand. That's totally fine. But it's not like you are a psychiatrist who also wants to be a professional hula hooper. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's okay, you know? So why don't you actually address that? Why don't you actually talk about the conflict of that? Because I feel like people do ha- are multi, a lot of people are multi hyphenate and they get very hung up. Like, do I have separate, you know, websites and uh, social media accounts? Like, how did you handle the differences between those two worlds? Well, you have to look at yourself like, you know, it's um, Alyssa Edwards says something along the lines of um, if you want to sell tickets like you need, you, you can't sell tickets if you wouldn't buy a ticket to the show. Right. So it's like in anything that you're doing when you're envisioning your brand or anything else, the most important thing is that like you see how it can happen. So you have to have a vision for how that transition would look, you know, and what I, the biggest thing for me is every day I would wake up and I would think about how I envisioned my, this future career. And I would, and I came up with this narrative for myself, which is, oh, I'm like this bohemian girl that did adult films but was very artsy and had a writing background and then sort of parlayed that into writing about these things and then writing is naturally part of stand-up it's part of performance and so i i had the story in my own head first of and that kind of informs the way i promote myself so that as i started doing other things when i started doing stand-up or I started writing, my fan base was like, of course she would. Of course you would. Why wouldn't you? Because you're the cerebral smart porn girl. So I, from the time I was doing porn, I was imagining a transition out. I never looked at it as, as though porn was going to be my primary career. It was the job offer I got that paid the most money and made the most sense in my life at the time um, because it allowed me to have more time to work on things like writing, stand up, et cetera. Um, a lot of kids rely on having a trust fund. I didn't have that. So I had to figure out how I was going to support my creative habit. Um, but so I always had an eye towards that this was not going to be all I did. So um, when I was on Twitter and on Instagram, um, while there were things that were more lucrative in the short term, say if I marketed myself as a dumb whore, um, which fit <laughs> in with expectations, I had directors say, can you be more of a dumb whore on Twitter? Oh, can I- you please? I had agents too. Can you please just dumb it down on Twitter? Mm. And I said, no. And that this is why is because while in the short term, that would have made more sales because it would have fit in with an expectation about what adult performers look like and sound like and the fantasy of that. Mm. But I understood that in terms of my long-term success, it made more sense to take a longer time to build a kind of customer and a kind of client that, um, was willing to see a sex worker as a multifaceted kind of person. And so it took me longer to build my fan base, but they're much more loyal and none of them give me, none of them have not been supportive of me doing other things. And I've been able to take a client that was a fan of my adult films and now is also a a supporter on my Patreon as an invested in my poetry project, go to my standup comedy shows, um, will buy my merch, all of this stuff. I, because I, I thought long-term, so that would be like two of the big tips would be think, think that you have to buy a ticket to your own show first. Yeah. You have to have a vision for how you're going to get there because that's what you're going to rely on day in and day out. 
is like, you have to see, you can't just be like, I wish I could make a million dollars. Like you have to see how you would do it. Right. And, and have that in your head. Like, because then you start thinking it is possible um, through daily affirmations. And the second thing is to, to think long-term. So not yes. be short-sighted. There are lots of ways to get quick and easy promotion. Mm. You need to think long-term. And I think that's oh, a strategy thing. It's yes. a strategy thing. Cause some people are like, fuck it. Go get on a reality show. Exactly. You'll have all eyes on you and then just parlay it into whatever. And that is one strategy. I just think that that strategy relies a lot more on luck. Mm. And um, I would, I think that it's safer to, to, to think long-term and make sure that the things that you're doing for promotion are things that are going to reach an audience that actually cares about you and the kind of stuff that you do. Exactly. Exactly. I I really like when I'm working with clients, my first order of business when I'm working with clients, they always want to talk about their social media. And I'm like, let's back it up. And I want you to write down a description of what you do and or your bio, because if you can't talk about what you're doing, if you can't put it into a sentence, then how is your audience going to know, right? So if it starts with you. The disconnect is with you and between your ears, right? So how do we have that elevator pitch of like who we are, what we're doing? And then that way you can transmit it to an audience. I'm also, when I'm working with artists, always trying to unplug all the urgency, like slow it down, slow it down. You'll get more longer term because they're always like, I have to do this now, or this is what I need now. And it's like, oh my God, that makes people make so many bad decisions it also doesn't leave enough time to promote properly like people contact me and they're like so my events this Saturday and I'm like oh my god like I I can't help you we should have been talking a month ago you know what I mean and so always less urgency longer periods of time will always help you sink in that stuff longer term and always and, and also better rewards on the back end right like you're talking about that loyal customer that's not shocked when you say hey guys I've written a book you know or yeah come to this, come do this. They, they, they know what to do. You're helping train them and understand. And then those people, if they're not with you or on board with you, they're not going to do dumb shit, like say shit, dumb shit, troll you, whatever. They're, they're people that are already in line with you and what you're doing. Yeah. And I think the other thing to consider is, is, um, like, I, when you and I have talked about Patreon, I said, you know, make sure that you make your rewards so that they're not doing more. You're not, creating busy work for yourself. Yes. But the same goes for where and how you promote, you know, it's very tempting to be like, well, TikTok's really big right now. Got to get on TikTok. <laughs> um, and, uh, or like YouTube, I, I've got to get a YouTube channel and it's, it's important to stop and, and look at what is, na- what is naturally easy for you. Because if, if, if you don't think of on the fly kind of forgettable content, i.e. TikTok, you're going to be spending all of this time struggling to create content that is not your brand. Exactly. To get noticed by people on a platform that is like, you're creating more stress for yourself just to promote. And that's mm-hmm. taking away energy and time from what you do. Whereas like for me, I'm really great at Twitter because Twitter is a format for people that like to read. It's, it's, it's a reader's format. It's, it's, a, it's for people that like to engage with ideas. You know, so Twitter is like, it's easy for me. And when I encounter someone that says like, yeah, I, I got to get on Twitter. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, what do you, <laughs> like, what are you good at? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, cause if I go look at their Instagram, like, but your Instagram is killing it. Like, like, like it's okay to not be everywhere. And I think a lot of people feel tempted 
to be everywhere. And it's like, you just, you just need to find the thing you're good at and just fucking kill it. Yeah. Like just kill that, yeah, you know, because if it's I natural do, for you, you won't get burned out. Yeah. I do disagree with that just a tiny bit because here's the thing. I'm not, you are amazing at Twitter. I am not insane at Twitter for whatever reason, but I do tell people just be there and have it be current. That's all. It, you don't have well, to I, have a million what, like, followers. That's, that's <laughs> different from like, from like trying to tackle Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, like, like, I think it's fine to like, even if it's just like, if you're not good at Twitter, just have an auto update from your Instagram. Cause it at least will get people from Twitter over to where right, you are exactly. active. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, so it's, it's fine to like have a presence everywhere, but like to worry about having to be like all things on yes. all platforms is you're just going to end up exhausting yourself and you're going to end up resenting. You're going to end up resenting your, the people that engage with you because you're going to be so stressed out and exhausted by these exchanges. Um, and so it's also just important to line up with what you are. I mean, if you're a fashion designer, then you need to be on Instagram. Yeah. That's where you need to be. Like, there's no reason for you to be on Twitter other than to direct people to your Instagram because <laughs> you make a visual product, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's important there. And, um, you know, like a lot of people, and then understanding what works on what platforms. For example, YouTube, you, YouTube started out as a place where there was almost kind of like scripted stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I first had a show on there, Boss Bitches of History for the Wisecrack channel, we would do, we were writing out scripts and they, there was an element of production in the shows and, and we would be narrating these, these animated um, segments. And what, what Wisecrack has become and what YouTube has become is what is successful there tends to be long form, either like video essays or vlogs. Mm. So understanding what kind of content does well on a platform is also important. Um, so that some of the most popular, um, formats are, um, entrepreneurship, how to's makeup mm. tutorials, how to build stuff, mm. um, unboxing mukbangs. So they're like, almost all of them are elements of personality and either review or tutorial. Yes. So, you know, like that, if you're, if, if that's the kind of product you're selling, YouTube is the place for you. Whereas say if you're a comedian, maybe TikTok is better at demonstrating that you're really good at on the fly coming up with funny material quickly. That's yeah. a great advertisement for you if you're a comedian or a comedy writer. It's a great way to show potential employers and fans like I can work fast and I can make funny stuff on the fly and have it be relevant and, and have an ability to make something go viral. That's a great advertisement for like a comedy writer that wants to get on last week tonight or something like that. You know, um, Sarah Cooper just got her Netflix special on doing. I her know, Trump's, uh, so incredible. Right? So, but like, incredible. It, but it demonstrated is like that she's funny on the fly, you know, because she would take speeches that he had just made and she would do it and put it together, and that was demonstrating the skill set for the job she wanted. Yes. And so that's the other thing to keep in mind is 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 that when you're promoting, you are also demonstrating what you do. Exactly. <laughs> so you want to so pick the platform that is the best for showcasing what it is you do. So if Sarah was doing that stuff on YouTube, it probably wouldn't have gone viral because the audience on YouTube isn't necessarily looking for this quick stuff. You know, they're exactly. looking for a Jeffree Star makeup tutorial or they're, look they're looking for like an unboxing where someone's going to unbox a new toy and show how it works and be funny and engaging while they do it. Right. It's like, that's where, that's that person. Um, 
And then Instagram is like, again, if you're doing fashion, you're designing products, or for me, when I'm selling my OnlyFans membership, that's a place to go post selfies and things like that. It's a visual medium. That's the place to shine. I'm not trying to engage with people's thinking. I'm trying to engage with their like immediate sort of desire response. And then when I'm promoting comedy stuff and my writing, I go to Twitter because that's where people go to read stuff. So, and then in this process, uh, so, so essentially what we're saying is you've really got to go in to you to figure out what you do best and work towards your strengths and don't let the tail wag the dog, right? Don't let, don't be pulled over here or over here and over there. Like, what is it that you really want to do? How can you put that into words, right? So you can actually say it out loud, right? So you can actually like be, uh, and I like to think of the, and I hate this term kind of, but like, I feel like the internet is kind of like a vision board, right? So it's like in what you're doing, you're putting it out there, activating those molecules so people connect you with that and then they can bring you whatever to the next thing. And so I feel like when you were first starting all of this, did you question what you were doing and like what what was that moment when you finally realized oh i do this over here and i do that over there like did you have a moment like that or was what was your um, process yeah on i i mean it was kind of organic um like a lot like it wasn't like i just was naturally really savvy at this stuff like i said like i was kind of getting it on the ground floor i don't know many porn performers that have branched out successfully into doing other things um, I can think of a few, Olia Janine is one that has become a successful comic, but she's retired. So even the people I know that that have come from this world and done stuff like say a Sasha Gray or a Leah Janine, they also were like also retired when they did it. So mm-hmm. they still weren't necessarily ha- encountering like the same hurdles, right? Like I found myself in a position of, I'm trying to actively promote an active performing adult performing career. And I'm trying to promote an active stand-up comedy career right. and writing. So a lot of it was new and I really did struggle at first because, you know, I started to get, I started to get followers on Twitter where I had, you know, like these famous people following me that were, that knew me as a comedian. And suddenly I started to feel really sheepish about mm. promoting porn on this feed because Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall follows me. And like, do I, you know what I mean? Like, like I started to feel like self-conscious about it um, and even for a while, I actually retired from adult for a while to focus on doing standup. Cause I really started to feel like you just could not do both. Um, how did you I tackle came- that? How did you tackle that, that feeling where you wanted to kind of shut down this part of you that was how you earned and, and, and was, a, was a major part of you? Like, how did you juggle the two of them? Me and Dave, like Dave Foley were hanging out and he, as a throwaway comment, I was like, you know, I just want to like inundate people. It was like, I, I 100% don't mind seeing your ass on Twitter. And, it's <laughs> like, he said, yeah. and well, he said, he said, it's not like I don't know what you do. Yeah. It's not like I followed without knowing like what you right. are. Right. Um, and uh, that led to a further discussion about the genie in the bottle and, and having faith in myself that you know, like that whole thing about if you're going to sell a ticket to the show, like you got to buy that ticket. So it was yes. like, how, how could I, how could I be selling the idea that like, yes, I'm a comedian and I do porn and that's okay. Yeah. How can I be selling a ticket to that show when I'm not even buying the ticket? Yeah. I'm going like, oh, I, I can't do it. And so I had to go into myself and be like, like, do you really believe that it's possible for you to do both or not? 
Yes. And I had to have that moment with myself. And that's why I say my tip at the beginning was that like, you need to create the narrative for yourself. And like, you yes. need to really believe, believe the story because that's what you're selling. You're not selling a product. You're not even selling a skill set. You're selling a story. Yes. The story is about you. I love um, this. And I feel like this is so good for people to hear because when I'm working with clients, most of the time what I'm actually helping them with is not like a strategy on sharing on Instagram. I'm usually helping them with their personal operating system. What's going on inside their minds, their hearts, and their gut with their resistance to what they're doing or they don't believe in it or whatever like that's usually at the root of that so what was amazing was you questioned it and sometimes we do need that outside help somebody to say hey i'm actually cool with it and like well if you're cool with it i guess maybe i could be cool with it too you know what i mean like sometimes it has to happen from the outside in too to help us yeah. get that validation that it's like and then, but wait yeah that it is okay for this to be, it is okay for these two things to happen in my world because I believe it can happen and yes, it can happen. And then it did for you. I mean, it did. Yeah. And, and then I also had to think about how to integrate those things. And I realized that part of the difficulty for me in integration was that when I was working for other companies and as being an adult performer, I didn't have 100% control over my brand because mm -hmm. they, they'll market you however they want to. Exactly. And so a big step was like in figuring out in order to do this, I have to pivot in a way where I'm 100% in control of the kind of porn that I'm putting out there and how it's being marketed. And so at first it wasn't like I just joined an OnlyFans and suddenly I was making tons of money, but I started, I started being honest with my porn uh, clients and saying, I need safe for work only elements if you want me to promote. And I, you can't use this kind of language or I won't promote it because it's not Wonderful. in line with my brand. And they were so responsive. Amazing. Like, oh, okay, sure. Well, absolutely. Because I just said, listen, I do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And for my purposes, I need things to be fairly safe for work um, yes. because, I, because I do have a, a big cross section of people. And, you know, some of my fans have never seen my adult work and are not interested in it. Mm. And so if you want me to promote on this feed, like I need to be aware of those people. Yeah, because um, and so people like but porn companies were responsive and they started making me elements that were safe for work. And they you know, I would just tell them if you use this kind of language in tweets, like if you call me a slut or this like things that would be uh, acceptable yeah. in in porn world, like yeah. they're not acceptable for me and my brand. And they were they were so they would facilitate that. And then I also actively started trying to, whenever I could write scenes, I would start writing scenes so that I was having more control over my brand. Mm. And so that like, so in that sense, like when it was out of my control, I, I was communicating with the people hiring me to make sure that like we were on the same page. And then eventually I got to the point where I was just working for myself, which has allowed me to, um, to now promote in, in a way that I, that aligns with the rest of the work that I do. But mm. a big part of it was internal work. It was me just like recognizing my own internalized whore phobia and judgment and, yeah. and, and going, if I don't work through this, how can I teach my audience how to work through it? Exactly. And I yeah. feel like to greater or lesser degree, so many people bring something to the table, not exactly like what you experience, but something to the table that's in their mind uh, that stops them from moving forward, whether that's something that's- Well, look at, um, look at differences between, say, 
people like Lady Gaga and David Bowie going from music to acting and being very well received versus say someone like Mariah Carey going and Mariah Carey doing acting and getting just lampooned, right? Yeah. Um, like, like, so it's not just about porn. There, there's a certain, there are certain hierarchies or yes. Jeremy Piven or, or John Mayer trying to do stand up. Exactly. Right? There are many people that, that want to try. And so when you start to look at like who somehow is able to pivot that successfully and then who is not like JLo was somehow able to pivot from actress to musician, which is probably, I would think notoriously the most difficult. Yeah. Like the most difficult transition I think is from being an actor to suddenly being a musician. People just don't buy it. Musicians can get away with switching over to acting a lot easier. Yeah. Still not easy, but well, because you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't fix. I mean, songs have to be good. It, it is the, it is the, yeah. it is a very difficult medium to fake in post, you know, like, so Jesus, that's hard, you know? Well, so, and I yeah. think that, I think that when it comes to brand awareness, um, I think that a big part of whether or not we like music has to do with the image of the musician. Mm. There's a lot of investment around authenticity and, mm. and character and persona. And so when a musician goes into acting, a lot of times the first few roles they play, they're essentially playing a version of themselves. Exactly. Whereas yeah. actors, like their persona and brand may be, you know, um, either undeveloped or something that's like really saccharine and like not associated with sort of maybe something more gritty or, or sensitive, like yeah. we expect from a musician. So when they start doing songs you know um we don't believe them yeah exactly it is very it is a very it's also the person when act when you're doing acting you're clearly somebody else's vision you morph and then when they when they come forward with who they are it might be conflicting to wait what somebody else might perceive them as and then essentially at the end of the day what we're saying is you have to help your audience understand who you are and if you're if you don't buy in for what you're selling, they're not going to buy in. They're not going to understand. They're not going to know where to go. They're not going to know what to do. Like you do have to help them. And that's the process. So, uh, so amazing. So the two things that we covered was understanding who you are. Oh, hi, Lola. She's here. This is what I love about 2020 is I get to see everybody's animals uh in, in in a zoom cats dogs rabbits you know i love it hi thank you thank you so much thank you for your input. thank you for visiting uh yeah. and so essentially like you ultimately it comes down to you can you put this into words into a vision into a message that you can deliver to an audience so they can come on board and then also to taking the urgency out of everything more time mm -hmm. More time is going to help you do a better job, make better decisions, and acquire better things in the end. I mean, I, I, I'm probably yeah. screwing up the meme, but, you know, someone said, you know, it takes three weeks to make a Toyota, but it makes six years to make a Rolls Royce. You know what I mean? So how do we invest the time in this? And know that it does take time and that you, if, if, even if it's not happening right away, it doesn't mean it won't happen, right? So you need the time to help you cross that finish line so that you feel as best as you possibly can. Yeah. And, and to remember too, that, that, you know, I was talking to Josh Barra, who's a, was a PR person for Disney and stuff like that. He had always said, you know, the thing, the number one thing I would tell clients is the easiest way to deal with a scandal is if you had never said it in the first place. <laughs> and oh that's my God. That's something to remember about urgency, right? Which is, yes. which is 
you know, once you put it out there, it's out there. You know, um, I was just watching a documentary series on YouTube interviewing people that became memes mm. and having them just kind of narrate that experience. And every single one kept saying the same thing. They're like, um, if I was going to give advice to anyone that finds themselves made into a meme, uh, I mean, just like you, you have no control over it. It's out. It's done. You have to immediately abandon the idea that you have any control over your image or what people are doing with it. It's done. It's out there. And that's important to remember when people feel an urgency to do promo yes. and all this kind of stuff is that like, once it's out there, it's, it's like, it's out there forever. Um, but the internet will be there forever. So, you know, even though you look at a vine or, or a viral TikTok that you're like, oh, that looks like they made it in six minutes and they just threw it up there. Um, that happens sometimes, but that can also be something that they were working on for three months. And yeah. then it just, it looks like it's, it's quickly done. And so it's important to remember that, you know, in being rushing to put stuff out and not taking the time to make it good. Once it's out, there's no do overs, you know, yes. I mean, you can occasionally delete tweets and retweet, but they always just are going to lose impact. Yes. You yes. know, Agreed. so Agreed. it's, it's important to, to just know who you are and to like have a kind of a plan. And the reason that having a narrative and thinking of yourself as like a story, as opposed to a, a thing, is that um, things are always changing, cultural trends are always shifting, there are always new platforms. Um, it's easier to, it's hard to stick to a plan because life changes. Like you can have a campaign strategy or a brand strategy and that's fine and it's okay to have guideposts, but they're always gonna shift mm. because life happens. Um, but when you have just a narrative, like the story of you, it's kind of like anything goes and it's a lot easier to stick to the story of you. Yes. So if my thing is, uh, I'm a super educated bohemian girl that has done sex work, but also is interested in history and is really interested in like cultural critique through a feminist lens, specifically dealing with people from marginalized communities like sex workers, kind of, that story is a lot easier to stick to than like, I'm a comedian now and I do comedy or I'm a YouTuber now and I do YouTube. It, that story can follow me anywhere, right? Yes. This, that's the story of me. Yeah. And that, that, no matter what my campaign strategy is for a particular project, um, I can always go back to like the, like the story of my brand mm. and just make sure that, that what I'm doing aligns with that story. And it's yes. like, um, that because that's really what you're selling so even with a patreon instead of it being like support the patreon and support this podcast it's support the patreon and support the project of me i do a lot of stuff yeah so when you're throwing money at it each month so right now in quarantine um my podcast is on hiatus but i'm doing this poetry project and my fans know that i have a, a an mfa in creative writing and poetry so for them it makes sense and I've been writing poems. So they get a poem a day or a day-ish and poetry readings. And that has taken the place of the podcast and I haven't lost any patrons. Yes. They're still, they're still getting content. And sometimes when the podcast isn't on, what they get is, is I'll be uploading um, clips of me doing open mics and stand up. And because they're there for like the narrative of me and like the project of whatever Sovereign's doing, they, they don't unsubscribe because suddenly they're not getting the podcast. So yeah. they're, 
their fanship isn't connected to particular projects that I do. Their fanship is connected to like the idea of what I do, which yes. is basically kind of talking about, you know, sort of a marginalized and sort of strange aspect of the human condition. Like a lot of people are just, they're curious about sex work. They don't know a lot about the lives of sex workers. Yeah, they and love a lot behind of, the scenes. They love and, getting behind the scenes. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff I write for Mel Magazine looks at um, issues affecting sexual culture or sex work, usually through a historical lens and from a feminist mm. perspective. Mm. A lot of the stand-up I do addresses you know, being a sex worker or like the experiences of that or, you know, um, the podcast is people really liked ill repute because they weren't they weren't used to hearing a perspective on history from people that have worked in sex work. So to have a sex worker talking about a famous courtesan, they get this whole different point of view that they just aren't used to. Yeah. And that the novelty of that is appealing because, you know, and so no matter what aspect I, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's podcasting, stand-up, actual adult content or poetry or whatever, it's like they always know what they're going to get. Yes. You know, and, they, and they've decided and I've, I've groomed an audience that is interested in that point of view and finds it valuable. Exactly. You know? And they've and bought so, in yeah. and they've bought in and that's yeah. essentially, and you know, you know what happens because I'll get people going, uh, I would love for you to do it. I'd love to do, I love, I want to hear the ill repute about, um, oh, what was the last one they were asking about? Um, the painter, um, famous Mexican painter. Why is her name escaping me right now? Oh, Frida Kahlo. Kahlo. Yeah. I, like I started, like when I started getting people tweeting me going, I want to hear the ill repute about Frida Kahlo. I want to hear, hear the ill repute. Amazing. They, they, they knew what point of view they wanted to hear. Yeah. Right? They wanted yes. to hear like me and Susie Q's point of view about this like standard historical figure. And that's when you know you've done something right is when right. you start getting people that are wanting or they're like when I'm talking with other comics and when um, I think it was like Marin turned to me, he's like, so what's what's your take on the Me Too stuff? What do you do? And he wasn't saying, what do you think about Me Too? He was like, what material are you doing about it? Yeah, because he wanted to know what like what's a sex worker going to say about it? Yeah. Like that, that he was curious, like what I was doing with it on stage. Right. And that's another sign that, that you're doing something right. When someone is interested in like your take on it, that lets you know that like you have a, you have a unique take. Yeah. And exactly. you have something so, that, yeah. And then, so let's talk about that more because I want to talk more about the best and the worst thing that's ever happened to you, which is going to be over on uh, my Patreon, patreon.com backslash Melanie Vesey. Uh, so thank you so much, Savi, for this chapter of your tips and tricks uh, to which we have boiled down to essentially like, if you don't know what you're doing, they're not going to know what you're doing. And yeah. then just fucking slow your roll, people. Slow it down. The urgency gets everybody into trouble. So thanks for joining us. And now you can go over to the Patreon and listen to the steamy part of the uh, uh, the do's and don'ts and the best and worst thing that's ever happened to Savi online. So thanks so much for joining us. Bye. Bye.